0: Hey y'all. We're taking a break this week from the usual format of the show and bringing you all an episode focusing on something near and dear to me. A couple weeks ago, I was part of a panel discussion at the Martin Luther King Jr. Library in downtown DC, entitled Go-Go is DC History. Now I know there may be some listeners out there who are unfamiliar with or don't even like go-go music, but if you want to truly know what it was like in DC during the 80s and 90s, listening to this episode is a great place to start. We talked about five different go-go songs spanning 20 years, all to connect the dots of the city's past, present, and future. Sit back, turn up your headphones or speakers, and get this quick history lesson on DC's most original art form. You won't be disappointed.
1: Right. So I want to continue this conversation and talk about, uh, in January of uh, 1990, uh Marion was arrested for uh, use of uh, cocaine. That happened. And uh, he went to prison. But... But there's a but, as people know, he got out of prison. He was reelected as mayor of Washington, D.C. in one of the great political moments of any history anywhere in the world, ever. I mean, so for, for black people, again, for people who lived in Washington, D.C., for the most part, D.C. was very divided at this point. It's like, okay, like, there's like people in D.C. who are black who are like, okay, we got out of prison. I mean, he got out of prison. I didn't get out of prison, but my mother specifically said the day that Marion Barry was released from jail, that we got out of jail. And I'm like, oh, okay, my mother's right, we got out of jail. They also, like, a black person was incarcerated, who was the mayor of Washington, D.C., he got out of jail. And then by, 19, uh, by 1994, 1996, where we're getting into with uh, the next song, uh, there was a financial control board that was instituted by the Republican Congress because DC was possibly a billion dollars in debt because of the rampant spending of Mary and Barry to employ people like my mother and your mother and your mother and your mother and your, mother and your, mother and your father and your dog. But that's where we were. And in the midst of this, uh, GoGo's still going strong, right? Still happening, still going on. But there's, there's a band that I'm going to have G talk about because it's your favorite band. Okay. And uh, they they came to rise, and they had a uh, charismatic frontman named Anwan Big G Glover. That a lot of people, if you if Gogo would have had the same kind of mainstream like figure to you that runs, he would have been a kind of Tupac figure, in the sense that you know as a uh, you know as a crime adjacent person who was shot numerous times, shot 13 times, was it? Am I right?
0: Thirteen. 13. He, he was shot. Like, he's
1: multiple yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. He's say he was shot multiple times. Same way as Fifty Cent. You know. So he has and he has charismatic appeal and is part of a trem- tremendous band. So um, one of the other big things about go-go music is that go gos big into the the, the cover industry of making great cover songs. And um, in 1996, band, band, uh, Tupac put out What's Up. What's Up? Okay. So Tupac put out an album called. Uh, I believe it was All Eyes On Me. And uh, on that album, he has a song called Thug Passion. Yes. And Backyard made a cover of Thug Passion that I'm going to play right now. And I swear, if you are not moved in your soul by this song, I do not know that you have a soul. So I'm going to play uh, Thug Passion by the Backyard Band. And then I'm going to turn to Geronimo to say a couple of things about the Backyard Band. I advise everybody to find a 10 minute version of that song because it's, it's like going to church. But uh, Geronimo, yes, talk yeah. to me about Thug Passion, talk to me about Backyard Band, talk to me about DC in an era where you were kind of like getting out and around a little bit. You would have been in your teens.
0: Every every lie I told my mother to be able to sneak out the house to go see Backyard at that time. What was this, Thug Passion came out 96? 97. 96. 96. So, it was my first year going to UniFest. Um,
1: UniFest. Explain myself.
0: Well, not by myself, but with some friends. Explain
1: UniFest
0: so that people understand. So, once upon a time, DC used to have outdoor festivals with all the go-go bands, whether they were the major, most popular bands to the lesser known bands, they'd have vendors, it was like in different neighborhoods all across the city. So So, UniFest was one of the bigger ones that happen every year, um, up until 2006,
2: ish?
3: Two, yes. two,
0: was it later in 2006? It was
4: either I think it was 2006. Yeah, 2006 or 2007. Okay, okay, so around that time. But nonetheless, see, I went to UNIFEST that year.
0: Um, I think I would even gotten into, I got to go to one of the, the little day Kitty parties, all ages parties that they were doing at the, um, at the ice box.
1: Yes. Explain to people the ice box. Explain to people physically where the ice box is in Washington, D.C. So That's if, important. If
0: you know where Echo Stage is, if you know where Stadium is, um, if you make, if you make a left, nah, Bliss is, um, the Taj Mahal. So yeah. if, you, if you if you make a left across, Right across from where Echo Stage is It's like New York like, Avenue Northeast dark street, And then you make another, another left
1: <laughs> You was right there you, All
5: the way in yeah. the end,
1: you'd, be, you'd be right Ivy there. City, yes it used to be, Before
5: that it was the zoo You oh, the the go
1: there, that's what I say now Third passion, yeah. just
0: backyard in general I don't even talk about third passion But just backyard in general, just like what they were what they were just talking about in their songs like that wasn't my life that wasn't anybody's life that I was I was friends with that <laughs> I went to school with well maybe some people I went to school with right. none of my close friends but I just I just felt the energy it was different than any other type of go-go I had heard and it felt like a youth movement like for my for my generation it felt like the youth movement that you know, maybe my sister's generation, who, like I said, is much older than me. You know, she came of age when like, you know, when y'all like were like doing it in the early 80s and everything like that, you know what I mean? So, for me, I was like, I gotta be there. I gotta be a part of that. You know, so like I said, the lies I told my mother to get out the house, to go see backyard. <laughs> if she even knew, she'd probably curse me out right now. <laughs>
1: so uh andre talk to me about when this band sprang up and when you knew that like backyard were like arriving and you're like okay this is a band that we got to pay attention to
6: well we knew it off the break because um they had a loyal following from their neighborhood uptown uh around clifton street uh northwest right uh 14th and clifton Um,
1: right so if you go all the way up 14th street 14th and clifton that's a different place now.
6: Yes, very. <laughs> but right. they would follow backyard to the edge of the earth. Anywhere they went, that the, the, there was a certain crowd that would go with them. So they were bringing the crowds uh, uh, with them in different parts of the city. And then with G being such a tall, statue six figure, foot six. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Slim had, Charles
1: from The Wire, by the way. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
6: Yeah. Um, and with him being. A little bit of a rebel at that time that's what really drew people into um the into backyard into the backyard band and then they made good you know they had good records they they really entertained people while they were in the club i think that particular record was sampled by wale yeah yeah so i mean it, and this was a few years ago right so that record has clearly stood the test of time
1: right so yeah
6: michelle
3: And I wanted to speak on um, its significance musically Um, and and it's it's, it's good that Andre is sitting up here um, um, while I mention this because um, if you notice, if you've been listening to the the different songs he's been playing, this beat doesn't sound anything like any of the other beats that you've been hearing and um, we call it a break beat. And, that's a di- and and Backyard kind of ushered in this movement of the breakbeat, but working the walls to me is what they where they got it. From. I mean, the first time I ever heard a breakbeat was where Essence in the walls. It's that same beat. Um, and so Backyard, but Backyard was the first band to pretty much play that breakbeat throughout most of their set which was unheard of then in fact the first time I ever heard the first time I ever heard a breakbeat wasn't from backyard I had gone downtown for something and I was with my niece and um, this a band that was similar to Junkyard was just set up down there. Um, they had drums, and they had a microphone, they had um, some cymbals, some and they kept going to the foot, and the guy was saying a hook, and then they go back to that beat, and I'm like what is this? Mind you, you know what I'm saying? Right. I grew up, and I'm, 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 I'm a go-go head, quote-unquote. But I was kind of, okay, what is this? But it wasn't until I went to see Backyard, I said, okay, now I get what it's all about. So Backyard is the first band to me to sort of invent a self-culture within Gogo, which was the breakbeat culture, we don't call it that, but um, Backyard played it, North's groovers played it, um, with Duck Rock. I mean, it's just like, oh my god. Um, so we have some, um, it's important, I think, just to say that because musically, Definitely. I think Go Go has gotten a bad rap. Although, the irony in that is that a lot of um, national acts have come to DC and handpicked musicians, um, the best musicians in the world. From right here in DC, of course. they still do. So, um, you know, musically, backyard was able to do something. Um, they, they created the, the, sub, the sub genre, the sub genre within go-go, um, and uh, that was something that um, I think also has helped to cement um, backyard uh, in this in this in this go-go um, culture. Um, the fact that they were able to do that. And um, you know, there's really only one other one that is just as big, and that's the bounce beat. But um, obviously, that's for another right, discussion. Uh, but that guy was instrumental in ushering in an entirely new subgenre of go-go that they still play to this day.
1: So, and Nico, I look at you because I, I definitely want to talk about like this cut. I feel like it's one of those things that, like, for the modern era of go-go fans, is like a, a thing that's like a giant, giant song that people don't give enough like you know thrifted
5: what's incredible about the song is that it still resonates to this day when they play it it's one of the few songs that they'll come out with with just a beat and the whole crowd will sing it before we see even drop a note
1: right it's one of those <laughs> things you go to see backyard band live and you could still do that right now and they still play uh, capital I think right. Yeah, on you know, Thursday nights. And they play Thug Passion. When the first notes hit on Thug Passion, you will watch a room erupt. Like, people will lose their minds like they have never, like they, like they've heard, they've never heard this song before a day in their life.
0: 20 years later.
1: 20 years later. It's incredible. So I've also, if you can speak to what that song mean, meant to the streets of D.C. Everybody will speak to that. Like that's a, it's a song that I think is grounded the streets of where 96 was.
5: Well for me I was promoting Backyard at the time so it was it was love for me <laughs> you know, I was you know I was throwing parties with them uh, so uh and also I was doing uh, some marketing promotion with them for as uh, p- helping push their records and whatnot and that came out on the skillet album which uh, right when when that came out uh a lot of people don't know that song actually even actually charted on Billboard. Like right,
1: they were um, Street, it was on Street Records, which is a Motown.
5: No, no, no. Street Records, the street. street Records is most shortest uh, label. Okay. So uh, now that that came out through Liaison. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So um, uh, when we was pushing that, uh, it was funny because me and Cooper was just uh, Cooper was the manager of the band at that time. Uh, we we was just talking about this on Go Go Radio Live uh, that we was actually going out and putting bumper stickers on all over the place, letting people know about it because Cooper didn't actually... It was, it was a live recording, just like where Essence did live at the Metro Club, which was huge for them. They dropped in 86 right. 10 years uh, earlier or prior. And so... When that came out, that was live from the Met as well. At that time, it was called Dinos. Right. So there's, there's a semblance Where there. Where was the
1: club located, by the way? On Bladensburg Road. Right. Right, right. 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 around the corner
5: from uh from the scene. Well, they call it the scene now. Uh, from the ice box. The yeah, ice box, right? Yeah. So um, literally right around the corner. You know. So um, but that's that's the synergy there because there was a lot of synergy between Rare Essence and Backyard because. They uh their drummer had a feel like uh, uh Foots did, um, and and you know they would tell you you know they got a you know their a, a lot of their idealism of how they wanted to play came from Essence. I mean I, I remember seeing them when they used to open for Essence uh at the Nativity back in the day, and uh, as a matter of fact it was one of the early years when Andre first started lead talking, you know. So um but uh when they first used to uh used to start, they used to open up for Chuck Brown at the Kilimanjaro, yeah. you know, so, yeah, you remember the Kilimanjaro? Yeah, yeah around '91 uh, 90, back then. So um, that's when they used to really get their f- feel, but when, when, when Thug Passion hit, to, to your point, when Thug Passion hit, it just kinda like pushed them to a whole nother level, you know, uh, and like I said, it really resonated through, through the inner city.
1: I feel like Tupac was a big thing in D.C., like the same way that Scarface, a Houston rapper. Yeah. It's a big thing in D.C., like, in a way that, like, almost like you would think that for some people, like, Tupac lived in Southeast. <laughs> like, yeah. well, his words, like, resonated in a way.
5: Well, you know, you, you always hear this, the old saying, you're women like a bad boy. Right. You know, Tupac had that bad boy uh, exterior, but he also came out with records that, you know, cross all genres with the Dear Mama, you know, and and things of that nature. So um, he had this, you know, he used to say F the world mentality through his records, but at the same time, he was a very thoughtful, insightful brother, you know, well-versed, well-educated. Um, a lot of it through a, a black sister like Michelle, you know, uh, his mother, you know, instilled into him a lot of his, his history, you know. So um, and then a lot of people don't know, you know, Tupac has he has some roots here in this area. You know, he came right. up in the Baltimore, Baltimore area. Right. You know, so um, but gang, his resonation through the city is, you know, a lot What Andre said is the fact that he had a lot of street cred with him. You know, and he also, um, what I remember, the break beat actually started with Junkyard and uh, as well as, as Rare Essence because in 90, Junkyard used to do a song called Breakdown. You know, and um, I, I said along with Rare Essence, we are. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> but <then> Essence, <laughs> <laughs> this is not for debate. So yes, where at Junkyard and where Essence used to have their thing at the black yard, uh, back, black hole, where they used to open up for Essence. So that, you know they, they they had their thing. You know where, where they used to really get into it, as far as uh, I shouldn't say, in a negative way, but you know with the bands, the way they played, it was it was a competition between them all. You know, and it was a good competition. To all the major bands. But, you know, me talking to uh, uh, Junkyard, you know, they really felt like they had to really, sh- and to this day, by them opening up for Essence, they used to always have to give it their all. You know, and so that's kind of the way Backyard was. You know, uh, they felt like they had to really grind and, and, and work their way to where they are at right now, where they're on top of this mountain, where, you know, they're the most highly acclaimed band in the city right now.
1: Definitely. So I wanted to finish this up with one final song. Uh, It's a song that for me, I I could say this to the person who's on stage, it's responsible for it in a lot of ways. Um, It represents a lot of like financial ability for especially black people in DC to be able to go out and enjoy themselves and then after they leave the club, go out and enjoy themselves and then go home with somebody and then enjoy themselves and then continue the thing and perpetuate it week after week after week after week after, <laughs> week, after week, which is something that you couldn't do in 1980 in Washington, D.C. at the same amount of money that it cost to go to the club and then go to the pancake house and then go and, you know, you know the deal. So I'm going to play Overnight Scenario by Rare Essence. I mean, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that for sure. But yeah, definitely. Let's uh, touch Super into overnight scenario.
4: Five in the morning, six, the lights six. go out. Six in the morning, you can hear us start to shout. Seven in the morning, she'll be calling the cab. Eight in the morning, talking about the pussy head. Nine in the morning, and she just getting home. Talking about the overnight scenario. Scenario. Three in the morning. Well, come on, come on. Six in the morning, you can hear us start to Can't shout. Scream, Seven figure. in the morning, she'll be calling the cat Eight air. in the morning, talking about the Come, on. Hair. come on. Nine in the morning, there she just getting home, talking about the overnight scenario. 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 Hey, Michael Brown. Yeah, the overnight scenario. 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 The overnight scenario. 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 A scenario! Scenario! And cut away! Hey y'all now! One more time, come on! Three in the morning, the pancake house yeah. Four yeah. in the morning, we'll be rolling to my house Five in the morning, yeah. the lights yeah. go out yeah. come on. Six. Six in the morning, you can hear us start to shout uh-huh. Seven in the morning, she'll be calling All the cab. Eight in the morning, talking about the bus you had. Scenario. scenario. Three in the morning, the Come on, come on, come on. Four in the morning, we'll be rolling through my baby.
1: Overnight Scenario, and um, obviously, Andre, we got to talk. Let's let's take me into where you were at at this point when you were in D.C., and making the song and deciding, like, okay, this is something that you wanted to do, because that hook is crazy. I mean, Jay-Z stole, borrowed, used it, whatever. But, like, the idea that, like, you would think about a song and go into that level of detail is the thing that always blows my mind. So I wanted to ask you about that in real life.
6: Well, that was actually occurring, (laughs) (laughs) right, (laughs) right, right, on a nightly basis, and and, I mean not just with the band, but with people in general. Because when when we would leave the club, you know, we run into half of the club at the Pancake House.
1: Which Pancake House is the Pancake House that you were talking about in this song?
6: It's the one that's on um, uh, St. Barnabas Road right now. Now. When it was Saint Barnabas Road, what, it was at, it was on the other end of Saint Barnabas Road at first. And then they moved it over <laughs> <laughs> over. Crystals, e, where Mid-Atlantic Seafood is
4: now? You talking about
6: that one? That's another one. But about, we, we we frequent that one too. Oh no,
4: you're talking about the one that was by
6: Marlow Heights. Right, over by Marlow Heights. Okay. Right. Okay, got it. Okay. Right. So it was that particular pancake house where we would run into half of the club after the after the show, so that's what started it all from from that right there
1: right so like the first time you played it out and you knew it was a hit what was that like if you could tell me about like that moment where were you were you playing dc like and what and what was it when you're like okay
6: yeah we you- were playing at a club up here on 13th and k street called the room it was upstairs um and the first time we did that line the whole club lit up <laughs> so it was like okay one more time come on <laughs> You know, yeah. so we did it again, and you know the music started to formulate. After that, a lot of times what we would do is just try the the hook out and the beat on the audience. If they respond, then we build on that. Right. If they don't, if they don't respond, we change it to try <laughs> to get them to respond. Right. So that's where um, the, the the um the, the song pretty much started.
1: Right, and I wanted to make sure that we also talked about the fact you shout out about a hundred different neighborhoods in that and the importance of doing that in Go-Go Records.
6: Well, because those were the neighborhoods that were in the, in the club at that time. Right. Along with uh, a bunch of the colleges, Norfolk State, Virginia State, right. Hampton U, all of those, a lot of those people were right there. Um, and they would always, you know, at, at that time, they we were still bringing pieces of paper up to us with their <laughs> shout-outs on it. So um, we, would, we would do that and, you know, give them some love.
1: Right. So let, let's talk about Jay-Z, if you want to talk about Jay-Z for half a second. Yeah. 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 So, like, the first time you heard uh, Do It Again, it's like 2001, so three years later, Jay-Z has a song, an album, it's called Do It Again. And the song begins off with, uh, talk about going to the Waffle House, and you're like, everybody in D.C. Like, had a collective freakout. Anybody who's a native Washington, we could all agree, right? there was this giant collective freak out. Yeah, like, what, Jay, no. So, what was that like? The first, first time you hear it, you're like, what?
6: Yeah, um, the first time, we actually got a call from Def Jam Records <laughs> two days before they released that okay. record. And they said, uh, can you send us Overnight Scenario? So we sent it to them. Right. A few days later, and they, I'm sure they wanted to compare. Right. You know what what was going on here. So a few days later, uh, one of the DJs on 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 um, I forget which station it was either KY or so PGC, PTC, they said, "I'm about to play a record that's going to make everybody in DC mad." <laughs> and he put that record on, and then they took calls, and everybody that called up was mad. Right. Because he obviously stole. The format. Was that, was that
5: flex Dre at the time?
6: I'm not sure if it was flex or Tigger. It was. Really, yeah, it, it was, 90, if, was
5: 95. Though. I remember it was 95 though, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it, it was either
6: flex or Tigger.
1: Yeah. So like, uh, so I wanted to ask that about like, had you ever seen Jay actually in the club? Was this a legitimate sample? Was he at, did he actually come to the club at any given time?
6: No, he had the record. He so he, but, he knew that, but he before. knew that the
1: record was a, was a record. Like, he knew that this record existed in the world.
6: D- because they heard it in New York. He played, they played that record in New York. Right. And he took the format. Um, knowing that it was on an independent label, small right. band out of D.C., uh, he figured, you know, what the hell.
1: Right. So he, was,
0: he was even quoted saying that, you know, D.C. people, D.C., they do it to us, so, you know, what's the big deal? We do it to them
1: right which is crazy but uh, so then i wanted to ask it about like people who came to the club like like this is like a thing because it's like really amazing people would just turn up in dc in this era like it was like it was this cosmopolitan place where, like everything was going on so i went to ask it about like what was the first time you saw somebody in the club and you're like how are the first time you saw somebody in the club and you were like this person is here while i'm doing this because i'm on stage doing this and this person means something to me outside of just like Whatever.
6: No, I'm not. I'm not sure. It, it, it was a lot of. We had a lot of friends that used to come out. Okay. To see us, to follow us. Right. All the time, and they. I mean, they would just like backyards crowd. They were loyal. Everywhere we went, they went. Right. Um, we went out of town. They were lined up behind the bus, driving down with us. So um, we've had that. We've been lucky enough to have those type of loyal fans for decades now.
1: Yeah, so like, but like anybody who was like outside of the norms, somebody who was like, like a legitimate, like, media superstar who you were like, okay,
5: this is weird.
6: Well, yeah, you actually there's, there's, uh, there's been a bunch of them. There's been a bunch of, uh, hip-hop artists, there's been a bunch of actors. Uh, one Taraji P. Henson used to come to Club U <laughs> <laughs> when we were there on Saturday nights. Um, and a bunch of rappers, um, Tweet called me the other day. Tweet is in; te- she was in town Saturday. She was supposed to come down to uh, to the club. Uh, Marquis, Dougie, Fresh, all of those guys were. They were here so much till they didn't even have to call. They just show up, you know. <laughs> and the promoter right. know Okay, let's put them in a section. So it was it was it was a lot of that, and we still get some of that to this day.
1: Right, right, right. So, gee, as far as like this record, like, I presume that this is the time where I was in the club. Like, this is, this is actually the era that I actually went to Go-Go's. Like, I never went to Go-Go's when I was a child or a teenager because my mother was very protective. When, like, there was an era where, like, Go-Go Bears were played at Sidwell Friends. And this is when Chelsea Clinton was at Sidwell Friends. And Go-Go bands were always at Sidwell. And so I'm like, Mom, it's gotta be safe. The Secret Service is gonna be there. <laughs> Like, come on now, I mean, y'all just gonna show up. I wanna go, like, I wanna do this, and I couldn't go. So this is like the first time in my life around this era where I can like go out and like actually see stuff. So like, I want to talk to you about that too. Like, this era and this, this song in particular. Um,
0: I actually wanna talk about a little bit after when this song came out. Right, 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 okay. Year 2000, I was a student at Howard University. Um, there's about 10 people from the area. Not just D.C., but the entire area who go to, to Howard every year. I was one of those 10 in 2000. Um, everybody I met from other places, other cities, other states, I, they knew overnight. scenario. They knew two go-go songs that were, were somewhat recent. They knew Overnight Scenario and they knew uh, Pure Elegance's One Leg Up. I don't know how they knew that,
1: but they knew it <laughs> well, you know? and
0: they would tell, they would say, you got that you got that so I would play overnight scenario for them and they would like go crazy for it and I was like all right, that makes me feel good that' you know you're going crazy for this you know what I mean but just to to what white boy said you know about them playing the song they were playing it in New York all the way down south like you know so that that song in itself had enough crossover appeal beyond this region that you know, people knew it elsewhere.
1: Yeah, so Nico, I wanted to talk to you then about, like, cause you, you, you're, you know, like playing Go-Go in 2017. So I wanted to talk then about like this record and like people's connection to it or your connection to it, just in general.
5: Well, Overnight Scenario um, at that time uh, was probably the biggest Go-Go record to hit the airwaves in a long time. Uh, it, uh, it it was one of the, next to CCB and uh, uh, My Fatty, when that came out, uh, Overnight Scenario was probably the most requested song on radio at that time. Uh, oh, from, I believe, when y'all released, it was 98, Trey? Yeah, 98. So, um... So at that time, in you know, around '98, I was, I was still, you know, working, at work, you know, doing it in the streets, you know, working with bands and whatnot. But I was just getting ready to trans transition working in radio myself. Uh, I believe I came in in '99. Yeah, I was I was in '99 when I started working with um, uh, uh, Craig Black at the uh, uh, KYS. So, um, so that it still was resonating at that time, but. I was also working in the record pool with my main man, Eardrum. I know you remember him. And uh, for those of you who remember when Wax was out, uh, I referred to it earlier you know, because of uh, F Street, but um, uh, DJs, it was, a, it was a record pool in the area and it was uh, the, the major record pool in this area was called Tables of Distinction. And Eardrum was like an uncle to me and he actually taught me the record business. So he, at that time, he was telling me the significance of the song. And once I I speak on on it again, how it resonated not only in the street, but to to the common person who who wants to go out and have a good time. Because the song embodies everything that you want to do as a clubbing person. You know, whether you was doing it or whether you envision yourself doing it. The total experience. (laughs) Yeah, you, you want to, hey, for the average guy, you want to go out, you want to meet a nice little honey in the club, you know, n- you know next year after the club, you know, you've been drinking, you want to feed the gut, and then, you know, it, next thing you know, we're on the way home, you know, so, but it, it was real, it was right. real, and so that's why, you know, people really resonated with that song, but Essence has a history of doing that. Right. Definitely. So um,
1: as far as our time, uh, we've come to our, our time. Uh, I want to thank Nico. I want to thank Geronimo. I want to thank uh, Andre for being here. And I want to thank everybody else for being here today. And Michelle. And uh, I would like to also say that the DC Library's GOGO Archive is alive and thriving and well. Uh, even though this, this branch is going to be uh, shutting down in a couple of days, This the, the GOGO Archive will be touring. so. Uh, Look at, uh, at DCPL on Twitter, uh, dcpubliclibrary.com. Check that out. And visit the GoGo Archive. Like, actually take a look at this. Um, it's being contributed too often, right?
5: No doubt. Yeah, I, 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 have, I have a special collection coming to it. So. Okay, well, that's yeah.
1: wonderful. That's, that's the thing. So, I mean, I'm going to be doing... Yeah, okay, okay. I didn't know if we had to reach our time or whatever. But if anybody has any questions, I can walk around and, you know, we can take care of this. So, anybody has a question, Okay.
7: So much. This is wonderful. So I, I am. I and you know, I hadn't even heard of your podcast until I heard about this. So I'm definitely gonna check you out. But I wanted to. Oh, that's that's. It's not your podcast. That's your podcast. Good to know. Good to know. Um. So I'll be I'll be downloading that. So I just want to say I'm 38 years old and I am from Silver Spring, I, I could tell by the way by some of the things you're talking about. And so, not being, you talked a lot about um, not actually being from DC, but like living out in the suburbs, it still was, there was such an impact because you had a, my mom is from DC, so I have cousins from DC, so I hung out with them, and I used to go see Rare Essence at the Black Hole, and um, I used to go, I used to go see Groovers too, but um, I had family all over. But I just want to say thanks to everyone on the panel. This is a great discussion because I, I don't, hear a lot about GoGo, I I think I'm not in the circle anymore, um, like I was when I was younger. So when I heard about this, I thought it was going to be something different, and I'm glad that this is what it was, because it just brings me right back to when I was still hanging out, and I just wanted to say thanks for uh, showing up. Appreciate it.
1: Okay, hold up here, I'm coming around, and I'll hit you next, all right? I got you.
2: Yes, everybody should um, get the podcast from Geronimo. It's a really good podcast. I've been on it myself. (laughs) Um, So this is just one of those things that you ask. I'm a native Washingtonian. I have partied with the best of them. I have even been put out of the club. (laughs) Put out of the Ibex, but we will not talk about that. (laughs) No, 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 no no, no baby, no, no baby, no, not down, not down that street, up that street. Uh, So my basic question is, I'm gonna pose this to our our legend on the stage. Um, How do we keep going? How do you keep keep going? How do we keep the music alive of this city? Our city is changing every second. How do we keep going with the music, with the history, with the education of Go-Go, and the culture, and the importance of this music?
6: Well, by just keeping the music alive, podcasts, these panels like this, uh, when, whenever you hear a record that you like, um, you don't, You no longer have to buy the entire album, you can buy that one song. So, to, to, to support the actual groups and the movement, because the record industry responds to sales. Um, if you sell a lot, you get a lot. If you don't sell, they throw you to the side. And that's what they've been doing with um, not only go-go music, but uh, certain music that's not as popular as it was or they don't really give it a chance a record to me the record industry is extremely lazy right now because back in the day they used to actually nurture and do the A&R work find the songs for the artists, produce the songs with the artists and then promote the artists now they're looking for who's hot on YouTube and tag and jumping on that well you're not you're not really doing any work right there. You know, that that person does all the work and you come in and give them a 360 deal where you get a part of their whole life. Um, So that's the way, what we we need is support from the audience that, that loves the music. We need support from the city officials that keep trying to blame the violence and anything that goes wrong on Go-Go. That whole epidemic that was going on in the 80s was because of crack. It had nothing to do with Go-Go. It just just so happens that this guy is beefing with that guy, but they go to the same party. And if you don't see him in his neighborhood or your neighborhood, you see him at the party, that's when you're going to approach him. We had nothing to do with that. We were the first ones to make sure that everybody coming in the door had a pat down. We were the first ones to put an airport-style metal detector in the club. We were the first ones to have police officers outside the club and on each end of the street. But they still blamed us for the violence that was going on. They figured the safest way is to just get rid of that band and there'll be no more violence. No, there's gonna be violence at the movie theater or at the mall or somewhere wherever they see that person. Or at school. Schools, when I came up, (laughs) I didn't have to walk through a metal detector at school. So, things, so I'm getting off on something else. But to support the bands, support the music. And if you get a chance, come out and see the bands. That's, that's how we keep it going.
0: The All The Fly Kids show was powered by Fairground Creative Media and is recorded at the Innovator Studio inside Impact Hub, located in the Penn Quarter section of downtown D.C. Engineered by a Backpack Matt, and Ryan Gordon, and produced by Geronimo Knows, me. You can subscribe to and listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, MixCloud, and Spreaker. Tell a friend and pay it forward.